Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Glory to God. Come on, Jesus deserves all the applause and the glory, doesn't he? Not me. Hallelujah. Just a short testimony. I'm the miracle here today. My wife's the miracle. You're the miracle today. I was once lost in sin, but saved by the blood of Jesus. And now here I stand declaring his precious word over your lives today. Hallelujah. And as Pastor Phil said, we're in an exciting time. God's eyes are looking over all the earth. But for us here in the UK, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand. It's time to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ across the land from John O'Groats to Land's End. It's time to bring the power of God across the nation. We want to hear testimonies like this every week, every day. Let's have seven day service revivals. <laughs> More staff. But God is good. Last week, Pastor Phil preached on the heart of the matter. Who was here for that? About the surrendered heart, the abandoned heart. The eyes of the Lord are looking at your hearts. He's looking for surrendered hearts like Levi the Matthew, the tax collector. He left everything. His money, his wealth, his profit, his booth to follow Jesus. Who's surrendering their hearts? To leave everything for the king of glory. I did. I did. He's looking for surrendered hearts. There's a real momentum at the moment. The Lord is looking to put people who will raise up unashamedly. Go out, preach the gospel. But get to know Jesus intimately. So from that place of intimacy you can go out and you can then just overflow it's an overflow of the love for Jesus. When I first became a Christian in a church in the middle of town, one of the ladies says, um, you just got to fall in love with Jesus. I said, well, he's dead. How do I get to know him? But you just got to get alone with him, pleading on your knees and ask for his Holy Spirit to come and open the word and let the Spirit of God Revealing the, the words of Jesus, his character. He is alive. We don't worship a dead God. You know, some of the congregations look half dead sometimes. We worship a God who's alive. There's fire in the house today, people. I don't want to preach for too long because I just want to worship God again. I just want to worship my King. I just want to worship my Jesus. He's so wonderful. It's when you worship and let the Spirit come and touch your heart and just change you, massage you. It's beautiful. I felt his presence most of the week at home. And I get these Holy Spirit laugh moments and I just can't. And my wife goes, oh, you're having one of those again. I am. You know, I came in from work once this week. And usually my wife, when I've been out on a site visit, she always makes a cup of tea for me and a biscuit. And uh, I came in and there was no tea. I said, oh, you're more hair. That's woman in Spanish, by the way. I'm going somewhere with this. Where's the tea? She goes, well, I'm not making it. You're going to make it. 
I said, why? Well, it's very biblical. Hebrews. No. <laughs> Let's get to the word of God. <laughs> it's time, church. Jesus looking for evangelists. People with the power of God to make a difference wherever you walk. Wherever you go, you take the power of God. You know, when Jesus first came, let's just think about the Lord for a minute. When he first landed on this earth, through the womb of Mary, he was a baby on the run, you know. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Joseph, take the boy and his mother. Take him to Egypt, because there's a genocide about to happen. Jesus entered the world in a mass genocide. Not a very peaceful Beautiful oasis of Israel. It was genocide. And when Jesus grew up into his ministry and started his ministry, he didn't hold poetry lessons under trees. He was in a hostile territory. He was hostile. The enemy wanted him dead. There were many attempts on his life to be killed. And so many times he had to sneak out, didn't he, from the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's why they're called sad, because they're very sad, you see. <laughs> he had to escape. He was a man on the run. We've got to think of that when we read about Jesus. Think about the, the, the atmosphere he was operating in. He didn't operate in a peaceful, loving world. He operated in hostile territory that wanted him dead. To stop the work of God. Because when heaven came down to earth, it was a spiritual collision. The good of the Holy Spirit, of of the good of God came down to earth. There was a collision here on earth. It wanted him out. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your soul. We are also operating behind enemy lines as Jesus was. We are operating behind enemy lines. Even most people, even non-Christians, will acknowledge there is something. There is spirit. And what God teaches us that in the heavenlies, there is something going on in the heavenlies that affects us here on earth. It was the same in Jesus' time. It's the same today. There's a spiritual warfare a spiritual warfare. Some people don't like to be preaching this sometimes, but it's true. We need to get real. If we're going to be a church that advances the kingdom of God, we've got to speak the truth. There's no more pleasing man. I just need to obey God. I've got to this point now where I'm just going to obey my God. And if it upsets man, so be it. Because Jesus just didn't, didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring division. Because the truth divides. And wherever Jesus taught, there were some for him and some against him. But I'm going to speak what the God says today. The Apostle Paul recognized this in Ephesians 6, verses 12 to 14. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spirit. Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's real. It's real. The Lord Jesus, 
He is amazing. He's amazing. If I get excited, forgive me. But he is amazing. He saved me from the pit. So if I get excited and I jump like a lunatic, I don't care. Whoa. You know, we just had the World Cup. Millions of people dancing for joy for football. But I'm going to dance for joy for Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus teaches us many times how to deal with this enemy. Because it's real. It's still here today. You know, there's... um, there's a great verse in Matthew 10:16. Jesus sending out his disciples. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Well, I don't know about you, but sheep get devoured by wolves, don't they? I don't think I want to be one of those sheep now, Jesus. But he gives us a, a little clue what he wants us to do. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Well, I like, we like the dove bit, don't we? Because it's peace and we think of the dove when he was baptized coming to land on him and bless him. But shrewd as snakes? When was the last worship song we sang when Jesus was shrewd as a snake? Is he the God of our worship? He's not just a rose trampled on the ground. He's more. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, shrewd as a snake. That's my God. Is it? Yes, he is. He is. When we worship him, we need to know all of him. He's not just peace. He's not just love. Compassion. He's shrewd. He's mighty. He's strong. He's loving you. He's eager for you. He's fighting for you. He's humility. He's powerful. He's playful. He's everything. Let's put that in a song. Shrewd as a snake. That's my God. He is. We've got to explore the character of Jesus. And Jesus shows us this shrewdness. He does show it. In John chapter 7. There's a little passage here about Jesus going to the Feast of Tabernacles. It is a seven day festival. Wow, that's a conference, isn't it? you think our services are too long? <laughs> Where did it last seven days? So Jesus says, no, the Bible says, chapter 7, verse 1, John. So after this, say after this, <laughs> Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also. 
Not publicly, but in secret. And if we just skip to 14. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. Until halfway. So it's a seven-day festival. Halfway is after lunch on day four, yeah? So why did Jesus wait till halfway through day four? Halfway through the service? Because it's where most people turn up. It was maximum crowd. <laughs> That's why the word of God is preached halfway through the service. That's where most people are here. They skip the worship. They want to come and hear the word of God. How things haven't changed. Halfway through the service. Day four and a half. Day four and a half. He's shrewd, Jesus. Say shrewd. Jesus, you're shrewd. He's love, peace, shrewd. As a snake. We think of the snake, don't we? But Jesus is telling us to be shrewd as snakes. And he teaches us in this passage. His brothers were encouraging him. He just left Judea because, again, they're trying to kill him. He wants to stay in Galilee. But his brothers now, his brothers were saying, go on, Jesus, go to Galilee, perform your miracles, be a a hero, be a TV superstar. They didn't believe in him at that moment. Sometimes we're listening to people close to us, telling us to do things to go. But Jesus is looking, he's being shrewd. Now, I wouldn't recommend you respond the way Jesus responded verbally. The right time for me has not yet come. For your any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because I testify that what it does is evil. See, Jesus is showing us what is happening in the heavenlies. He's showing us what is happening in the heavenlies. We've got to be aware. He said to Peter once, get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't recommend you say that to someone either. But you've got to remember, this is what is happening in the spiritual realm, which is after your soul. So be aware, be shrewd, be cute, be aware of what's happening there after your soul, remember. Protect it, guard it. Jesus is showing us the model here. Don't verbally say, my time has not come, the world hates me. But just say it to yourself, thinking... Okay, I'll park that. But what Jesus did, you see? He sends his brothers off. I love this. He goes, you go to the festival, brothers. Okay, see you guys. See you later. And off they go. And it says in verse 10, However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also. (laughs) Not publicly, but in secret. He went also. Straight away. So suddenly he's our wonderful Jesus a liar? No. He's been shrewd and careful. Because if he went with his brothers, his time had not yet come. Remember, he started halfway through the service on day four and a half. If he'd have gone with his brothers, it would have been distractions. There'd have been lots of things going from day one. And it wouldn't have ended up with day seven, later on in the chapter seven, where his greatest message was preached. It's all in God's time. It's all in God's time, not in man's time. If we listen to man all the time, we'll be saying, yes, 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 yes. God is showing us here. Sometimes it may sound from God. It may. It may be a a good thing to do. But sometimes we need to step back and do what Jesus did. 
Pray and fast and wait. Pray and fast and wait. Pray and fast and wait. Be patient and wait on the Lord. Be patient and wait on the Lord. Don't rush. Don't say yes to everything all the time. Just be patient and wait on the Lord. Jesus is showing us, modeling it for us here. Hallelujah. Just want to show this up as well. His brothers, he said, um, in verse 4, it says, one of his brothers says, No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. And then verse 10, however, his brothers had left for the feast. He went also, but in secret. <laughs> so what, God, what man says, Jesus does different. Jesus knows what he's doing. Don't listen to man's voice. It all, could, it all ends in day seven, in verse 37. A lot of passage there. But, so Jesus is sort of preaching on and off. Now the guest speaker, I think he gate crushes the, the festival on day four and a half and stands up and preaches. His brothers said, go there and perform the miracles. But it's interesting because Jesus just went here to the festival to teach. When he waited on the Lord, he was just going there to teach, to deliver the word of God faithfully. In verse 37, it says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, this is day seven now, everyone's there now, even the latecomers have arrived now. It says, stood and said in a loud voice, so Jesus is passionate about this. This is now the end of the whole festival. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Amen. Pastor Phil spoke last week about the heart, receiving this Holy Spirit, receiving the living waters of Jesus to come flow through you. It's available for everyone, but it requires a surrendered heart. And say, Lord, make me new. Make me new. Change me, Lord. Hallelujah. That was the climax to the whole festival. And if he had gone on day one with his brothers, things would have been different. So Jesus modeling it. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Be careful what voices we're listening to. God's got a purpose for your life. Just be clear what he wants to say to you. Get godly counsel and just wait and pray and fast. We're in a time of praying and fasting. If you think it's just a little season, I think it's now a permanent season of praying and fasting. If you're strong for Jesus, I think a prayer and fasting should be a regular activity, a regular thing. The more we pray and fast, we're disconnected from the world and connecting to the heavenlies. We want to hear the voice of God. We want the spirit of God to live in us. And that's the only way of doing it is cutting. That little slide that Pastor Phil had, didn't he? Um, what was it, Pastor Phil, about the feasting? Every opportunity to fast is feasting with God. Do you remember that little slide? With the empty platter from the waiter. It's a feast from God. Look at that. There's no food. Where's the food? But it's a feast from God. Come on. It's serious. We are in these times. It requires it. The church, Jesus is demanding it from the church and Christians now to raise up. To raise up and seek the lost. So when Jesus was in this, these days, before he preached on day four and a half... He actually went to, the tab- he went to the Feast of Tabernacles. So he was there, probably in the gift shop and all the other things doing, at the back of the crowds. But he was praying and fasting. He was waiting, getting prepared. He was being 
prepared. Preparation is something we all need to do. We need to prepare, ready for God to unleash you on day four and a half. So for three and a half days, you need to be preparing. And then suddenly he'll release you. It may be release you into ministry. It may to release you into receiving an attack. So you're armored, ready to receive what the enemy is coming towards you. Just be prepared in both ways. So be prepared. You know, when we, in our daily lives, we all, we're always being prepared. When you go to work, you're always thinking about what to wear at work, aren't you? You're, when you go on a bicycle, you think, I've got to wear my helmet, I've got to wear my hive, I've got to get my you know, things on my ankles and all these kind of stuff. Now, sometimes when I go to work, I have to go to building sites. And I need protection. I can't go to a building site like this. One, I'll get chucked off the site. Health and safety, you know. Health and safety. They're very big on it now. So these shoes would have to come off. I can't wear these on building sites. I'd have to wear something like this. Dirty old boots like this. I've got to be prepared. If you listen online, it's not going to do it for you, I'm afraid, this morning. You should be here watching this. I've now got dirty brown boots on, online. Okay, I have to put my nice shoes off and put my dirty boots. So I've got my feet now protected. I can now go to a building site. Okay, I've got my feet ready. But I need a jacket because people want to see where I am. But, um, I'm being shrewd and I'm being protected. I've now got my high vi on. I'm nearly there. I'm nearly there. And I'm thinking, my optician the other day says, you've got to protect your eyes because you've only got one good eye. Did you know that? <laughs> he did say that. He says, you've only got one good eye because since birth I've had a congenital cataract. Is that the word? And they said that to remove it won't make any difference. It may make things brighter. But you know what? I believe Jesus can do it. And I'm waiting on him for that. But I've got one brilliant eye, said the optician. Anyway, you need to protect your brilliant eye. So when I'm on a building site, I've got dust and bits of stone flying around. I need to wear safety spectacles. So I've got my safety spectacles on. I've got my boots. I've got my high eye. I've got my safety specs now to protect my eye. But you know what? I need something to protect this beautiful face of mine, my head. I need to protect this great haircut. So I've got a hat on. Right. You may know, I wear this. This is what health and safety's done. You've got to wear gloves and all this stuff as well. So I'm now ready for my day of work. Okay. So I'm now going to work like this. But you know, you have to. Re- <laughs> this is my protection. But you know what? As Christians, and before any of the religious lot say, you're wearing a hat on the altar. This is for the example. This represents the helmet of salvation. People. I am wearing the helmet of salvation. This is where it's going, people. If you know your Bible, you know that the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 6 <laughs> about the high vibe, no, about the about the builder's uniform. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 
13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Put there for a minute. They're steaming up these glasses. So that when the day of evil comes, you see, the day of evil may come. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. So Jesus is actually saying, get the armor on, ready. The problem is sometimes with all the attacks come and all the, the, the bad stuff in our life comes along, but we're not ready for it. We need to know the truth of the word, what Paul's saying here. Stand firm then, verse 14, with the belt of truth. I've got a belt on. Okay, I didn't do that bit, but belt of truth. Buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness. Okay, this is my righteousness, my breastplate now. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of grace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith. Okay, this will do two things. Breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith. Okay, it does both for this example, okay. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Woo. Which is the word of God. Verse 18 is very, very important. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In the Spirit on all occasions. So you, Paul's telling us we need to put our boots on ready for, for action. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the shield of faith. What's about the glasses? How much salvation? But you know what? I've put the glasses in. Because <laughs> I wear them on building sites, I thought I'd use it as an example. We need to protect our eyes. Our eyes are the gateway to your heart. What are we seeing? We need to protect our eyes every day. Now, you ain't got to physically put these on every day. But as an example, wouldn't it be great if all that was on your coat pegs before you leave? And every morning you've got the boots of readiness on and you've got your high vial of the shield of faith on. And, but Paul's saying, we have these on. Jesus says, these are on you. We have all this available for us. You know, so whatever you're wearing, wherever you go, you take the Holy Spirit and the good news of Jesus wherever you go. Look at these boots. Filthy. Filthy boots. But I'm telling you, the Bible tells me that these feet are beautiful. These feet are beautiful. Isaiah 52.7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Hallelujah. Beautiful feet, these. Wherever I walk with these, there's fire in them. When I go to building sites in London, there's fire in these dirty boots. There's fire in your feet wherever you walk, whatever footwear you're wearing. Wherever you go, your beautiful feet, beautiful feet. (laughs) Beautiful feet. Wherever you walk, your feet are beautiful. can take the good news of Jesus. So this is an example to say, look, I go to building sites a lot. And since I've had the fire of God in me, I know that when these boots enter a building site, it can cause the Holy Spirit to come and touch people's lives. If I'm praying in the Spirit on all occasions, as Paul says, I've got the Word of God as well. He says, you can make a difference. 
You can make a difference. God is looking for evangelists and people to rise up and take the nation for Jesus. This nation needs it. This nation needs the good news. It's slidden far too back. It was once a blessed Christian nation with a great heritage, with great statutes and laws, even a link to the throne of David. But since this, very recently, in the recent times, a nation that's legalizing sin, it's time to raise up an army to take the nation for Jesus. Come on, hallelujah. So wherever you walk, wherever you walk, you take the good news of Jesus. You know, these glasses are very important. Spiritual eyes. You need spiritual eyes to look at what's happening in the world in line with Bible and prophecy. Take these off and you look at the world. It is all right. It's peace. Had the football World Cup. England lost three games in seven, but they're still good. <laughs> they did. Cool. I'd like to see if they won the World Cup, what would happen. We look in, we, are we looking in the world and it's natural now? Or are we looking through spiritual eyes? Got to look through the spiritual eyes. I mean, in Matthew 24, 6, Jesus says, You will hear of wars, rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Nation against nation, the, the Greek... I feel like a scholar now, being at Bible college. The Greek for nation, in, in the, when it was first written, was ethnos. Right? Ethnos. So Dr. Stephen Cassie says, ethnos, and, which means ethnic, ethnic group. Ethnic group rising up against ethnic group. Over the many recent decades, many tribes are coming up and wiping out other tribes. And also 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. Paul says, through spiritual eyes, what's happening? But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. I see met to that. People say, there is a God. But then they just turn off and do the thing they want to do. They acknowledge God, but then I'll just stay and enjoy doing what I'm doing. Even if a couple of those on that list were, what's happening, I'd be alarmed. But all of it. We're going to need to look at the world, people, through spiritual eyes. Get into the Bible. Jesus teaches this stuff. God is teaching us this. We've got to raise up people who are faithful to the word of God. It's statutes. Read it. Digest it. Let it be the food for you. You know, and make what you wear every day practice. Practice it every day. Everything you've got to wear. You know, you can do great things for God. We're even wearing all this. When I go to jobs, right? I'm in London working. And you see the stuff going on, don't you, in the streets. So many people, young people now on drugs. It's rife. It's rife. It's steamy. 
Right. 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 It's rife. You know, it's when I'm in London, I'm in the spirit. Sometimes I go there and I go, God, use me in London today. Use me wherever I work. So when I'm up churches or whenever, I say, God, I'm doing my work for you. I love it. I love it. Jeez, I'm working for you. I'm measuring up these stones again. I'm measuring up all these stones again. I'm drawing, drawing, drawing. But God can still use you. So I was in London one day. I was with my boots of readiness. I had my high vials, breastplate of righteousness. I had my shield of faith and I was walking on a job. And there was a carpenter and he looked sad. And I, and I felt God in my spirit said, encourage that man. He needs to know me. So I went over there and he was a broken man. This carpenter. We shared the word of God and we just prayed over. I prayed over we, me and the Holy Spirit, prayed over him. And he was touched. He was in tears. This carpenter. Other builders were looking thinking, what was going on over there? The holy huddle on a building site. And I was measuring a stone staircase. But we rejoiced. And I bounced out there down Piccadilly Circus like this. Whoa. No, I wasn't walking. I was looking normal. But in the spirit, you're walking like this, aren't you? In the spirit, you're like, woo. Come on, Jesus. So I was walking normal. And then you, you see, no one, God, this guy who you want, yes, speak to that man, encourages a guy on a, on a door near a hotel, looked like a doorman or something. Speak to this man. So I had my boots of readiness again, these dirty, greasy boots, but I was ready. So I went up there and I said, I ain't got a clue what I was going to say, but I knew God wanted to speak to him. So I said, hey, brother. <laughs> I said, hey, brother, I don't know why that happened, but just God puts words in your mouth, doesn't he? Psalm 81.10, open wide your mouth, I will fill it, says the Lord. So I just said, brother, the Lord has seen the work of your hands. He wants to multiply your flock. What's going on? Multiply your flock. Multiply your flock. He's a doorman. And he's seen the work of your hands in the small, and he wants to promote you to greater things for him. And he thought, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm a pastor in a church. This is my day job. This is what happens. So we prayed down Piccadilly Circus and I carried on walking in the Holy Spirit woo, to my next job. And it was happening all day. It was, it was fires all over London. Can you imagine if there were thousands of disciples in London doing the same thing? Turning the nation back to God. Wearing all this. Well, the helmet of salvation, you know you wear. You know you wear the breastplate of righteousness. That deflects the attacks of the evil one. So when he puts thoughts in my head, I said, no, you don't. I've got the breastplate of righteousness over my heart. It's God's righteousness that sets me free. It's his blood that sets me free. You don't belong in my head. Get out. When those thoughts come, you've got to take control of those thoughts and send them out. The devil's under your feet. He's under his dirty boots. He's under your trainers. He's under your flip-flops. He's under your feet. And you wear the helmet of salvation. But God is good, you know. Sometimes in the spirit, I'm just, whoo, I go out of tower. I was finishing my last job. I was on top of this tower in North London now. And I was praising God. Whoo, hallelujah. And I get to the top of the tower and I see these two ladies crossing the park. God says, go down and encourage those two ladies. Lord, I just got to the top of the tower. I'm wearing the helmet of salvation. I've got my high vi on, Lord. Go down. So I walk all the way down the ladders. How many ladders? I know, 10 ladders. I don't Run across the park. I said, excuse me. Whoo. I was just wearing this helmet of salvation. But God sent me from that tower to you to say, to encourage you when you walk with Jesus Christ. She fell over. A friend picked her up and said, what happened? I was with my pastor last week. I needed encouraging from the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. 
It doesn't stop there. Wherever you walk in the Spirit on all occasions, you wear the uniform of God has given you. Be shrewd as well. Be shrewd. I remember once I'd finished a job in the uh, middle of London, and I was really peckish. I had some lunch. I need some lunch and a coffee. So I'm walking down the street, and I saw one of those barber things, you know, the red and white tourney. I thought, oh, I need a haircut as well. I might go and get my haircut before a coffee. So outside it says a £14 haircut for London. That is cheap for London. You know, £14. That's good. So I go in there, and there's a couple of East European ladies running the business. Okay. I said, a £14 haircut. What is it? She goes, well, it's just a clipper all over, grade one. £14 for that? <laughs> for a clipper all one? I said, well, I'm not so sure now. I said, what about a normal haircut? No, I was in his 20s. I thought, I'll wait till I get back to Cambridge. Give me £13 there. And I said, £14? She goes, or oh, you can get a new wife. Because my wife said, I said, my wife won't like that haircut. Well, you get a new wife. I said, perhaps well, you need a new customer. <laughs> Shrewd, you see. But before I went, I remember I had a T-shirt underneath my jumper. And it was a Spanish T-shirt. With Revelation 21, 7 written on it in Spanish. So as I left there, I thought, oh yeah, I'm wearing that today. I huh. wonder why God put me that on there today. Anyway, next door, there was a Colombian coffee shop right next door to the, hair, to the hairdressers. So I thought, that's the place. I'm going to get a Colombian coffee. Who likes Colombian coffee? Come on. So I go in there and I saw this lunch. and I, I ordered a lunch. I paid for the lunch. And I sat down and I thought, oh, I forgot to order the coffee. So I got the coffee and he brought it over later. But as I was sitting there, obviously, when, when I see Colombian people, and I think oh, Spanish people, of course, got to be away in here, Lord. Do you want me to say anything to these people? He goes, no, just observe. So as I was eating this lovely Colombian dish, I was observing the manager and his assistants, and he was quite brutal, is the word. He was quite brutal. He was quite tough. So I said, God, soften that man's heart, Lord, when I speak to him. Soften that man's heart, Lord, when I speak to him. So I go over there to pay for the coffee. Not away. I said... I need to pay for the coffee. He goes, no, café de la casa. It's coffee on the house. I said, oh, bless you, brother. (laughs) I always say, bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. Then I remembered the verse. It says, I've got a message for you from the Lord. He goes, what is it? So I lifted up my outer garment, (laughs) revealed the inner garment. (laughs) The outer garment came off. The inner garment said, Revelation 27, he who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So I said, you're going to be, you are his son. I'm telling you, he mopped like a baby. He cried like a baby. The spirit of God hit him. It was just incredible. Touched his assistance as well. Wherever you walk, when you take the word of God, this is the spirit. This is the word. It's powerful. It's mighty. It's mighty. Glory to God. So get dressed for battle. I'm going to close uh, on this one now. So if you want to put in keys, Emma, that would be great. Thanks. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this. Even the thought of operating behind enemy lines, it's tough. And you think, this is a hard battle. It's not a hard battle, actually, because the devil is under your feet. You have the victory already. It is paid for. It is done. There's nothing that will stop you being victorious. There is nothing. It is done. It is done. But we need, if you want the power of God to work through you, you've got to die to self. You've got to die to self. That's a, 
contrary to what the world's thinking, isn't it? How can you die to live? If you, if you die, you're dead. No, you die to yourself. You die to the things that you want to do. You die to your own desires. You, desire, you, you say, death to this. I say, cut this out. I want more of you, Jesus. And over these last few years, as I've cut things in my life that aren't just edifying me at all, that aren't benefiting me at all in my walk with Jesus, Jesus comes and fills the rest. If you want all of what Jesus has got, you've got to make room for him. What are we watching for your eyes? What are we allowing into our minds and to our souls? There's a battle for your soul. Die to self. Jesus says in Mark 8, 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Die to self, I tell you. My creator knows me better than myself. My creator knows me better than me. So when I say no more to things of the world, Lord, and I just rejoice and get to know my beautiful Jesus, who is shrewd as a snake. He's the way maker and shrewd. He fills me. And he sets my feet on firm ground. And wherever I walk, I take Jesus with me. You know, the devil's stupid, you know. Jesus spoke in parables a lot, didn't he? And there's one parable, it's not on the screen, but he talks about a kernel of wheat. He goes, unless that kernel of wheat dies and falls to the ground, it just remains a kernel of wheat. But when it dies, lands on the ground, there's seeds to grow. And he's and the devil ain't got a clue what's going on, has he? He's stupid, you see. When Jesus died, his spirit, his, his blood washed, washed away the sin of mankind. And we can all be that seed now, making a difference. Many of us all over the nation changing it for, for Jesus. Hallelujah. There's power in death. There's power when you die, you know. Who remembers the first Star Wars back in 1977? Darth Vader and... Bring me Skywalker. Darth Vader. He's at the end of that film and he's battling Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi was the master. And Darth Vader, before he turned bad with the mask and everything, he was the apprentice. And as they're having a duel, Darth Vader says, I am now the master. And Obi-Wan says, Darth, if you strike me down, I'll be more powerful than ever before. And that's what Jesus, you know, when the devil got Jesus, he laid down his life. But he became more powerful than ever before. Because it can be millions of us now. Not just one man in one place at one time, but there can be millions of us changing the world. Changing the world. Glory to God. To walk in the way of the Spirit, manifesting the power of the Lord is through death. True biblical Christianity begins through death, which then leads to life. It's a development. I know some people are maybe thinking, well, I don't, if I've got to surrender everything, sell my house and everything. (laughs) 
It's just every day acknowledging him. One day at a time, acknowledging him, saying, today, God, I'm going to my office. I'm going to work in my office. I may not see anybody, God, but may I do my work gracefully and purposefully for you. May I just be with, be with me all day, Lord, as I do my work. And as more and more as you, you learn to do this, God will set you in something great very soon after that. Because your heart now is realigned to what you're doing faithfully in the small. And as you learn more, read your word more, pray in the secret place and do go into the office or the workplace or the factory or whatever. God's going to grow you and nurture you so one day you can look like me with these games. <laughs> no, not with this, but you'll be wearing the breastplate of righteousness. You'll be having the shield of faith. You'll have the boots on ready now to take the gospel of Jesus wherever you are. It's good news. It's good news. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.